Sanford, and I am joined today by our guests, J.C. Fontanilla, Terry Hall, and Jenny Talbot. It's good to be with you today. Um, three of our strong up-and-coming administrators in the Davis School District. I'm going to ask you some questions, and, you know, these are peer-into-your-soul type questions, and I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see how this goes. Um, first question. If you had to choose one meal that was your last meal on planet Earth, what would it be? JC? Oh, anything my mom makes is great, but maybe anything with salmon. Okay. You sound like my wife. <laughs> salmon. I can it's go to a hundred different restaurants and it's always salmon. Like, salmon. Did that taste different than the last restaurant? No. Okay. Same. <laughs> but so delicious. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I would probably say, because I've been craving it for the last week, Spaghetti Factory. Mm. Good plate of spaghetti. Oh, yeah. There are several plates of spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) However many you can get. Yeah. Uh, Chicken tiki masala with some fresh naan. Mm. See, that sounded more exotic than the other. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you get that? Do you have to make that, or do you have a favorite place to Oh, I'm not as good at making it, but Taste of India and Leighton. Taste of India. is like perfect. Very good. Mm -hmm. I haven't. My next door neighbor was from India uh, in my prior house. Like we were besties and they were the only neighbors we really kind of talked to and maybe vice versa. And uh, he developed this app that um, for all these Indian restaurants to make reservations. Right. And that was, so I was, I was trying all these different restaurants that he was doing the app for, but I never got to that one. Yeah, I need it's a good one. Okay. I'll have to jump into it. Um, okay. And I want you to be really thoughtful about this one. Um, if you are on a road trip, what song are you listening to on repeat? Like, what's your song? This is difficult. If I have my children with me, it's Jesus Take the Will. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what if your kids aren't with you? What, what is that like? Oh, that's a. I don't even know what that would be like. Okay. I love rock and roll. All right, little Pat Benatar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're old enough to appreciate that song i was just barely in the 80s i can do it okay i can do it yeah i was like 11 and that was a big deal song and then and then we've had it was like it had been out for a month before people were going do you know that's a woman that sings that song we didn't know we really didn't we didn't know it was everybody was singing we didn't know it was a woman mine would be uh depending on the mood uh, anything 80s rock hair bands mostly so def leppard motley crew yeah the 80s again so great big hair so, so there, there was like there was like this phase right before all these bands took the scene where you had like Joan Jett, Pat Benatar, yep. and I um, think it's the name of all the female rockers. And then all of a sudden, the whole world opened up. It's like Michael Jackson, or you had Run DMC, you had MC Hammer, you had all the hair bands. Yep. You had then you had all the the U two and NXS came in. Like you could you could pick your genre kind of in the eighties. And, and now it's you know everybody everybody names a band you've never heard of most yeah. of the time. And they're awesome. So yeah, JC probably um, one of those. We're gonna have yeah. to. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love country, but my husband's not the biggest fan of country, but he's from Hawaii, so we listen to a lot of like reggae and stuff from the islands, so oh, yeah. my boys know them all by heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I spent a, like a week on a on a trip with my, who was the other guy from my neighbor, this is my, uh, John Tupola. And he would like the reggae stuff. Man, we're on yep. a boat, and you listen to reggae for like eight <laughs> days, and you can't quit listening to it. And it's like it is. It's like the islands version of country music, though. It's got yes. the same kind of mm. yeah, same kind of heart. I see that? Okay. <laughs> um, in that vein, we've talked a little bit about this, and Jenny, I don't want to steal your thunder, but your most memorable <laughs> family vacation. 
Hmm. I've got a lot. Yeah. I think just going back to Hawaii to visit family, that those are always memorable moments. My boys love playing with their cousins and things, but also for me growing up camping. We used to camp all the time. So those are like things that just have always stuck with me. We're losing that. And your generation is like, yeah. that. like we're losing that. People that have been camping. Yes, you know? I love even if, it. Even if it's in the luxury, I've seen that. Fit yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can call that camping. It's yeah. nicer than my house. But yeah. Uh, well, my parents are both from the East Coast. And so every year, every about, well, about every five years, we went back to Ocean City, New Jersey and spent a week in, in a beach house and got to see cousins that we didn't get to see very often. So those are really good memories. We're actually doing it this coming summer. Um, all the cousins, the, everybody. So we're going to have two beach houses this awesome. time. So it'll be fun. Kind of a family reunion vibe. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We just walk on the boardwalk, sit on the beach. Funny story. My hu- It's a long story. I'll tell it another time. But my husband went one time and, and he's a very active guy. And we all got out on the beach and he sat there for a second and within like 30, we're all just kind of relaxing. He looks around at everybody and he goes, so what do we do now? (laughs) And my whole family was like, this is it. You just sit here and relax. (laughs) No, he was not having that. Uh, I yearn for that. I think I do. I think I want to sit on a beach and read a book. But I'm kind of that way too. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I should be doing something. Yeah, there was there was all sorts of other activities that came into play because he was not about to have that for two weeks. So, awesome, good dude. Um, my grandparents lived in San Diego, and I grew up pretty poor, and so we were their only grandchildren. So it was like you felt like a, like royalty. We got to go to Olive Garden. Mm. We got to go to the mall. Like all these things that we would never do in a podunk town that I grew up in. I tell my kids that like you don't know how opulent your lives are. Like yes. when I was a kid, we would split a hamburger. Our parents were like, when they're taking us out, we're going out to eat, and we're splitting a hamburger three ways between the kids. <laughs> and it's like yeah, you don't even know. You yeah. get your own hamburger. You're already living large, kids. Um, okay. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think um, you know myself when I think about family vacations. They've they've when you have grandkids and and JC, your mom will talk about like I watched that woman just change when you have grandkids, oh, yes. right? You're like, like, oh yeah, hello. I'm like, new who you. are you? Yeah. So, but <laughs> it's it is like, like <laughs> and Terry could appreciate it. Like I, I have like a, 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 a my my son called it twenty hours of me. I, I have hours of me dancing with my granddaughters. Like, and I'm not that dude. I'm just not. You know, if somebody want to come and dance with me, I'm just not that. Good. But if if my two-year-old granddaughter says dance papa like uh, oh my gosh so I was <laughs> and, and, and that lasts for about three minutes before she wants to do it again so like yeah. all day long every day like honestly as lame as that was that was the best vacation ever just spending you know four days with these little girls who are going to make me do stuff i don't want to do mm. and, you know. anyway. did you get your nails painted oh man not yet you know that's coming yeah, that's yeah. Coming. Yep. okay you know, we're we're talking today about duty to develop, and I'd I'd like to just jump into a conversation about uh, a leader um, who's developed you. You know, when we put together these these attributes, um, the first iteration was really a lot of country wisdom that came from their own experience of who developed them, who are the key people, and what did that look like, and we tried to capture that, and then we jump into the literature and the research, and you know, there's a lot of good literature for leaders on how to develop people, but but we we really what really won the day was the experiences of you know dozens of principals and uh, executive staff people 
that really said this is the person this is how they did it so think about that and then and and, and and those stories as we listen to folks talk about their experiences with this range from he was my sixth grade teacher you know mm-hmm. to there was you know that person that tapped you on the shoulder and said you'd be good at this you know you should think about this so who is a leader that developed you want me to go first yeah that's great. <laughs> um in my family, I've had a ton of educators. So from grandparents to aunts to uncles to mother, you know, I just have this huge, rich, rich, like, play, I guess, into education. So one person that has always stuck out to me has been my grandmother. So she was... I'm going to cry because I know no. her grandmother. Her grandmother's <laughs> a big deal to me. So. She was amazing. And so she... Um, when she was a younger girl was put into a concentration camp um she was a japanese uh, woman and so during the the concentration camp she had fallen behind in grades and um talking with her she always told us um how hard it was for her with education to be able to translate things um from english to japanese back to english to make sure things were what they were supposed to be and that she was doing what she was supposed to be so Mm. when she got out of the concentration camp at a young age um she was behind in grades um, but then she worked her way back and actually skipped a few grades and then ended up going into education and being a professor at weber state and i mean she knew like eight languages fluently like she was outrageously smart Mm. and had you know a couple master's degrees like she was just brilliant and just growing up her impact on education for me just has always resonated with me i from you know in high school bringing out her red pen to help me with my english assignments <laughs> being like your spelling is terrible <laughs> you know but just her impact uh just to the community for her and even to her students she had students even after she had retired for years contact her and just thank her for the impact that she made on their life and that has always stuck with me and she always instilled in all of us like that we could do anything that we we put our mind to and how important education was and the value that it holds so she's always just had that deep impact um, for me in education she was one of my writing professors when i got my english degree and dr mia is just i got i mean i'm telling you guys like i could tell you a story that we'd have to we'd have to have a two-hour long podcast (laughs) that experience i had with her but honestly incredible in fact i was i was sitting as an assistant principal with with jc's mom and when when we realized that the dr mia was what (laughs) what (laughs) anyway incredible everything you said about her is true inspiring and but tough right tough as nails and like Mm -hmm. she's a fighter and she's a go-getter and but yeah but a nurture anyway she's that perfect mix so anyway um so educationally probably the one that stands out to me the most would be brad chapel um he was assistant principal at davis high when i was teacher there and he was the first person that ever kind of said to me you know, you, you could be a leader, you could be an administrator, that's something you should think about. And at that point in time in my career, I had never even thought about that. And that was kind of that, that seed that got planted for me. So um, anyway, hopefully I can, I make him proud and he doesn't regret telling me that. But um, (laughs) so and then personally, um, just my dad, he was just bigger than life man to me and was someone that um, I knew I could always go to and and he had um, advice it was never the answer he was so good at just saying well here's what you could do here's the direction you could go if you want me to tell you what I would do here's what I would do but you have to make the decision that's right for you and that was so powerful for me so it's something that it's it's been 
helped me to become the leader I am where I can help people to see possibilities and see options, um, but not tell them how to solve their problem. Cause that was such a big thing for me. That's awesome. That's hard. That's hard for dad to do, right? Oh yeah. And he yeah. was, cause I called my mom and that is not what I got from my mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still to this day, yeah. love the woman, but, but I miss my dad terribly, but having that person that I could always call, you know, almost every day and just say, here's my issue. Here's my dilemma. Here's what's going on. And just that, that, um, ability for him to just kind of hear me and offer input and then step back. And that was just really powerful for me. Awesome. I think for me, it's always the person who pushes you when you don't realize you need to be pushed. Mm. Um, so I think about, I was very quiet in high school, very awkward, so awkward. Um, and I was content being the quiet, nerdy kid. And it was actually my AP history teacher, Mr. Webb, who actually put me in front of the classroom and was just like, okay, it's your time now to be in the front. And so again, I was content not being there, mm. but he pushed me into there. Um, and I'd say with Davis School District, it would be my principals, Brian Hunt and Chris Keim, who again, was not going to let me be content and was like, this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to be focusing on and putting me in situations that stretched and grew me, but also knew that I had, they had my back. Awesome. All, all uh, amazing uh, shares there. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of combine the next two questions because I, I want them to be connected. Um, how do you, how do you get to know the strengths of your staff members? Um, so that kind of on the flip side, you can become those people that, that see something and, and recognize something. And, and maybe with that, um, think about, is there someone that you're working with right now that they have strengths they don't recognize and that, that you could help them find those strengths like you as the quiet student, you know, somebody sees, uh, we're going to we're going to push them just off off their comfort zone. I used to have this plaque in my office and you know and I'll probably butcher it cuz I wasn't planning on talking about this but there was this this quote um that said, you know, come to the edge he said. We are afraid to come to the edge he said. Uh, we are afraid. He, they came, he pushed them and they flew. Because there is that that fear, you know, nobody wants to get to that edge and 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 there's and there's a little bit of a it's okay, it's okay so you can, you know, give them the push and they can fly. Okay. So think about that, um, and let's let's jump into that a little bit. H how do you recognize the strengths, and are those are there folks on your staff that you can think of right now who uh, have strengths they don't even re recognize? I think being visible and being there, being present. I think that's so important is getting to know your staff, but not not only on like a you know professional basis. Like really get to know them, find out something you know unique about them or their family or their situation because then you create these personable relationships too that you can really identify like where their strengths are and what you can do to help you know put give them that little push so I think that's been so helpful for me I, I mean I split two schools so I've got two faculties to kind of get to know and so I think it's important to be able to put yourself out there and you know let people see you for you and then you know have them do the same just trying to figure out who they are and as far as people on staff, I mean, there's a few, right? Because we get, I have like, I've got two staff. So <laughs> just getting to know those people and then giving them the opportunities to be able to shine and be successful are really important. Um, you know, assigning them things or helping them or guiding them and then really letting them see their potential. Because like you said, some people just don't know that they've got this like amazing talent or they're really good at something and, but they need to be told that. 
sometimes people don't get told that. And so, like I said, be present, know your staff, and be able to praise them when the praise is needed. And, and, and you know, it goes a long ways when they know that you're paying attention and you actually care. So. Yeah, I love that. I, I think listening, um, that's a, a big one. Like that was something when I first started that I just wanted to make sure, you know, when they came to my door and said, do you have a minute? I mean, as an administrator, sometimes you're like, not really. But, but making sure that at that moment you turn from whatever you're working on and that they are the most important thing that, that came through the door. And when they say, I know you're busy, say not too busy for you have a seat, let's talk. And, and then just hearing them and listening and, and that in that conversation, even if it's a complaint or a frustration, there's opportunity. Um, and, and helping them to see how maybe again, they can solve their own problem or, you know, what, what's a way that that's, you know, that they can rise up to that challenge in a different way, maybe even taking a leadership role in the school because it's a problem that they see and they're passionate about it. Okay. Well, there's some opportunity there for them to kind of take some some leadership and some, you know, some extra load on that. So that, to me, that's been my biggest thing is just making sure that I, I turn and pay a hundred percent attention to, to, you know, whatever comes at me. And it's, it's tough because you might be in the middle of a project, you might be, you know, but that's been, that's been a big way for me to be able to connect with people. And I think through some of those things you had mentioned, you know, watching for people, I, I can think of one specific employee that, she's a, she's awesome. She's a leader. She doesn't know she is. She doesn't even really want to be at this point in time, but the faculty looks to her um, because she's outgoing and she's energetic and fun, but that can be exhausting for her too. So just protecting her that way, um, but also encouraging her to, to use that for good, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, I guess back to um, JC said about time, like you have to spend time with them. Um, as a teacher, I absolutely hated observations because they would just come in and my stomach would drop and all of that. As an administrator, I, that is my favorite part of the day to go into the classroom and see their genius just coming out. Like it, it's just so fun to see it be like, you are so good at this and to be able to like convey that to the teacher too. Um, that, that's where I recharge is actually with teacher classroom time and just spending time with them. Um, same thing with staff, like being able to go in and like reaffirm the things they're doing. I had this new teacher and she came to me and she's like, can you just come watch my class? And I was like, oh, bless your heart for like being willing to like ask me to come. And I sat there and she's like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I was like, let's talk about what you did right. Like you're fantastic and and she is and she's this natural born teacher that doesn't see it yet awesome and i i think there's you know there is what i appreciate about what i've heard is there's this first step that kind of can go on it can be ignored because um and that's this step where you really have to know your staff you have to put yourself out there um or, or the rest is kind of pointless if you're going to you know we talk about the multiplier effect in our leadership meetings a lot and um in fact, that's what all of our principal leadership is kind of based around now. And this idea of you're you're not going to be able to identify the genius of your staff unless you're taking the big first step of knowing <laughs> your staff. Yeah. Uh, you fall upon it plenty, you know. Oh, hey, look at oh, I just noticed that because you were out here in front of everyone. But it, but a huge mistake it, to to not recognize that what you've pointed out is really the first step. Mm -hmm. um, so 
we're gonna we're we're going to jump into a, a, a quick short response question. I'm gonna ask you in one sentence or less. Some folks have maybe used an extensive run-on <laughs> sentence to answer this question. <laughs> but what is your personal project? Thinking of Leadon Davis, what is your personal project in one sentence? Implementing PLCs, effective PLCs. Mm. <laughs> It's an important word. Mine's PBIS, just improving school culture. Okay. And positive reinforcement for students, faculty, staff. See how you had a good sentence, and then you you like semicolon. English teacher in here. Okay. Yeah, I'm an English teacher. Or I was. Well, that was a very good mature sentence. Thank you. Thank you. Attendance, getting kids in the classroom. Awesome. Well, wow. That's there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a theme, um, and because these are these are all old issues, right? They were things that you know I was dealing with as, as a brand new assistant, <laughs> um, and as it really as a teacher um, with with PLCs and and attendance, and then you know we we give it different labels, RTI and PBIS, and and all these things that are that are all cousins to the same challenge of of dealing with behavior and helping you know students operate in the building in the most effective way um there there these are all old concerns with i think better lenses now we have bet we're more practical it's like tier one instruction when i was taught instruction and and what teachers do now with tier one instruction like good grief you go to an elementary and watch elementary teachers teach very thoughtful specific you know purposeful lessons yes. right. I never had this in elementary <laughs> they did not know I didn't know that we were spelling rug and we needed where, what letter do we need now? And I was, no one cared that Danny Linford couldn't read to no. I'm just kidding they cared but the idea is um, I think everything you're talking about is so much better than when I was even looking at these things 15 years ago because for one you're better and you've been trained better you've taken upon yourself to be trained better but we just have better approaches to all of these things um and so that's exciting for me that that we're better um and then last question and and you'll have to remember your duty developed card a little bit because this gets a little bit nuts and boltsy with the card um but which duty to develop pattern have you used the most or have you seen the most in yourself as you've worked on your project. So think about your project work and the work you're doing there and think about what which pattern uh, have you seen your, in yourself the most as you've jumped into your projects? I think for me, investing in other progression, I want it to go somewhere and I have like my deadlines in my head and sometimes I realize that my deadlines aren't the best deadlines, that I need to re- like bring others on the journey and that might actually go faster or it might go slower but it's okay it's we're going to do the journey together not me pushing the train mine's kind of a play mine would be devoted to values norms and culture and and our whole goal with the pbi stuff we've been doing this year is building that safe collaborative culture in our school and this idea that we're you know we're doing it for you know the students the faculty but paying more attention to what they need as opposed to what I think they need. And so that's been, you know, I I can come up with this big, great idea to help kids feel like they're part of the culture or whatever, but if the kids aren't resonating with that, it's going to fall flat. So trying to identify and be devoted to that um, and to what what they need more than what I need them to need, if that makes sense. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, it does make sense. 
And I think with PLCs, it's funny. I look at these and like all of them. (laughs) 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 Really though, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one thing I've really focused on this year is uh, committed to evaluation and data. I think being able to um, look at data with teachers, really do, uh, you know, data dives in, look into things and see what we can do with our data. Because I think a lot of times we get data and we're like, oh, this is good information. But then what do we do with it? Um, So that's been really fun to be able to do that with um, each grade level and really dive into that and find out ways that I can help support them and get resources for them to help increase our our student success. So that's been really fun and interesting. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Like when you think about PLCs at the end of the day, we we can we can overcomplicate it. But at the end of the day, it's it's really just data driven instruction. It's like you need to know what the instruction is going to be. You need to know what's critical and what's critical to measure. And that's your question one but ultimately you're just talking about hey maybe we should figure out what those kids if they learn the stuff we just taught them and then, <laughs> and then what, do do? Don't. what do we do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so mind-numbingly simple but so complex yeah. you know yes. practice so you just got to do it well thank you you know our, our time is up and we you know we, we always tease about doing a long form of this I would love to spend three hours and really you know we'd probably cry a few times and laugh and get angry and um, but it's been great spending this, this brief amount of time with each of you uh, powerful leaders and uh, you know I, I, I mentioned s- something similar to the last group but as a superintendent it this is so good for me it's like sitting in the teacher's classroom it <laughs> renews my hope like oh man there's people smarter than us coming up <laughs> through that, that have this all figured out so we're in good hands and I really appreciate your work so uh, thank you to my guests Jenny Terry and JC it's been great to spend a, a few minutes with you thank, thank you. you okay that wraps it up with our lead in Davis podcast Put a lid on it.